1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye with me, as always, Jack manuel Jack, how are we doing?
2: Preview time, baby.
1: Yeah, season is right around the corner. You know, beginning of October, we'll have Media Day, jump into training camp. Next thing you know, it's preseason, regular season is right behind it. But before we do that, quick reminder you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms, subscribe, review, follow us on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But Jack, we're starting with the bigs today. And in this group, we have returning players Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp, and new additions. Uh, Trendon Watford, Harry Giles, Noah Clowney, and you could probably throw Darius Baisley and Dorian Finney-Smith in this group, but we're going to stick with the first five.
2: Yeah, I think that it seems the most likely because I think the Nets will be pretty flexible when it comes to the four and five position. So... That's why we classify them as bigs, and the Nets don't have a heap of wings, so we can give a bit more time to Darius Baisley when we're doing that positional preview.
1: Yeah, and uh, funny enough, it feels like this is one of the larger big previews we've done. You know, and you're, I think last year it was Nick Claxton, Dayron Sharp, and Marquise Morris, and that was that was the big group. So this year there's at least some more names you know obviously Harry Giles still has to make the team so we'll see what happens with all of that and those different things but I guess looking at the returning bigs Jack starting with Nick Claxton give me your thoughts on his season last year
2: oh it was insane Nick like there was just we had high we've always had high expectations of Nick Claxton ever since he entered the league and it was funny going on my little morning walk while I'm on a bit of a break I saw this a poster for some advertisement and it said clacks on it. I'm like, the world <laughs> is speaking to me right now. It is clax city time, time to pot about clack city. But you know, he's was one of the league leaders in in shoot in, in field goal percentage. He was, you know, one of the Best switch bigs in the NBA. Didn't get enough credit as a defensive player of the year candidate post the KD and Kyrie exits. His efficiency was incredible. His free throw shooting improved. He made leaps and bounds of plenty in terms of an offensive player and a defensive player. And I think that there's still plenty of growth that he, that can be made. I think post All Star break, a lot of people didn't give Nick Claxton the credit he deserved. I think Nets fans certainly didn't. And a lot of people that were, were following the trajectory of Nick Claxton, like, you could make an argument. You know, we saw him in All-Star voting. You know, finishing ninth or tenth, and in, in the sort of big man position, he was bloody sensational. Like he was just truly, truly great. And there's, as I alluded to, still a, a long ways to go for him to continue proving and filling out the rest of his game. But you know, the you can make an argument in the in the fringes that he could have been in that Most Improved Player of the Year can, candidacy as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably a, a, you know, Katie and Kyrie finish the season on the Nets. You know, maybe he has more opportunities to win an award. You know, there's more media attention because – You know, like you mentioned, Jack, the hopes we've always had for Nick Claxton started to come to fruition last season, especially defensively. You know, he really was a defensive player of the year candidate. Not only was he a great switch big, that's something we saw in the past. He really took strides as a rim protector and really became an impact player in that area. Also, I thought his post defense improved, obviously doesn't have the weight or the size to really bang with some of those bigs. But we've seen at times, you know, his ability to use his quickness and his speed to beat them to spots, you know, poke at the ball, really good at getting deflections last year. Clax was just awesome defensively. And then offensively, you start to see a little bit more of his game. You know, he started to utilize, I think more of his God-given abilities, you know, his athleticism, his agility, his flexibility, his ability to contort his body around the rim just a crazy field goal percentage last year, led the league at 70%, really insane stuff. And then we saw glimpses of some of his ability off the dribble, you know, some of those fake dribble handoffs, some of those just attacking a slower, big one-on-one, you know, occasionally throwing in a Euro step, using some of those transition opportunities. It was just A really fun season for Nick Claxton, and it's easy to forget. You know, last year he was only 23 years old, so there's still plenty of room for him to grow. And most importantly, he had a healthy season. You know, he played 76 games last year and really drastically improved his conditioning.
2: Yeah, I think that was the a, a, a big marker of the the growth of of any guy. You know, the best ability is availability, and yeah, we've said that in time and time again. It says it's part of Nick Claxton when that guy is out there. and That guy gets five or ten games behind him. Watch out because he's going to impact the league in a way that few few can in terms of his skill set. You alluded to like you know here's just some, a few defensive stats: Nick block rate oh. is seven point one percent, ninety nine percentile. Defends at a 40, 40%, 44% at the rim, 84th percentile. Uh, uh, defending the rim at a difference of 8.3%, which means he's in the 93rd percentile. Like he is like genuinely elite defensive player. And yeah, he can maybe get a little bit block happy. Yes, he can maybe get a little bit too hyped at times. There was maybe maybe two or three ill-disciplined occasions that we saw from him. But you take that with everything that comes with the the growth of Nick Claxton. Like he's, he's now filling out into being, you know, he's heading into now a contract season. where well, he'll probably be a big part of our conversations on, on this positional preview. But heading into a contract year, Nick Claxton, I think, is ready to show out even more if that's possible.
1: Yeah, I think offensively we'll start to see more improvements, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But ultimately, you know, Clack solidified himself as, you know, a top 15, top 10 center in the league. You know, he was that good. He's not
2: 29, Nick. He's not 29. Not 29, not
1: top 25, you know, top 10, top 15. His ability to impact the game. And I think he'll still look to probably add a little bit more muscle. Obviously, free throw shooting was still an issue, but we saw improvement and we saw a level of confidence that you love to see. You know, a guy struggles in an area, sometimes they avoid it, where Clax just kind of went at it head on, you know, never scared to go to the free throw line, never scared to shoot free throws and consistently just really working on it. But any other thoughts on Clax from last season before we move on to Dayron?
2: Yeah, I just want to give the numbers, the, the splits for those free throw shooting that you alluded to, Nick. In February, is at 57% from the free throw line. That improved in March to 67%, and then to end the season in April, 72%. So, like, that is just... it. I think the hardest thing for any player or team is to make adjustments within a season when you don't get, like, you know, especially in the NBA when you don't get the days off, you don't get as many time to sort of work behind the scenes. So, the fact that Klax went had a 15% jump over a two-month span in the season, it's, it's a credit to him. Now, does that number stay consistent over another 75-game season next year? That's the challenge to him. I'd be happy with that 67% number. I think that's a, that'd be my, you know, my basement would be, you know, maybe mid-60s, you know, 63, 64, but I'd be more than happy. In fact, I'd be elated if it's anywhere above 70%.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he gets above 70%, that's a good free throw shooter for the center position. You know, so I think just seeing improvement is going to be important for him. You know, you don't expect it to change overnight, but if he can continue to improve and just make strides in that area, it's going to be huge for his game because he's going to continue to get to the free throw line. And I, again, I think he'll be a little bit more active off the dribble this year, which might lead to more free throw attempts. But looking back at last season for Daron Sharp, what do you think?
2: Yeah, look, Darren Sharp came into his own, you know, in in many periods over March and April. You know, we sort of saw little glimpses here and there. You know, shot forty percent in March from three, again on five attempts. So not necessarily anything to totally ride home about, but it was the rebounding and just the the defensive stability. You know, we know he is an insane rebounder like he is a hundredth percentile when it comes to offensive rebound like he is legitimately elite when he is out there and he did that in you know decent enough time february you know 13.7 minutes a game march 15.3 minutes and then end of the season you know just a, a shade under 13 so i think that's was something i was like sort of looking for from him because we know what he can do. we know what he came into the nba as a, a genuinely elite rebounder and, you know, his, his play would finally be enough, probably more valuable, not at the NBA level, but at the international sort of feeble level, given everything that we've been watching uh, at that sort of uh, type of basketball. But in saying that, I think defensively, awareness, just the, the game reps and the sort of IQ you know, the, the, that you want from your sort of big man to sort of stalwart the defense. He's got, you know, he's, he's confident in his abilities, but it was just does he have the, the 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 ability to sort of be the backline of a defense and we saw some growth in that department yeah i think it's
1: a mixed bag for deron sharp you know going to last season there was an opportunity Opportunity for him to solidify that backup center spot was never really able to do that, and not necessarily able to produce at a consistent level. Again, it was kind of flashes. You know, you saw offensively, okay, he looks to improve, and then other games, you know, he's getting a shot block three or four times, and you know, not in the right spot defensively. Kind of the same things. You know, some good plays never. One thing you can say about Daron, he always plays hard and plays with a lot of energy and activity. It's just. No, is he in the right spot or does he know what he's doing? And it's not always the case. You know, sometimes I don't want to say he's out of control, but he's just not fully locked in. And some of that's just not having NBA reps. You mentioned it, you know, he's only 21 years old, you know, turning 22 this year. And He's a guy that I think really needs to take strides this year. I think last year we probably didn't see enough for a sophomore season. This year is going to be a real test for him to see, you know, can he be a true backup big in the NBA or is he more of a third big that's going to bounce around to different teams?
2: Yeah, hopefully the depth of the position that we alluded to at the start of the pod, you know, brings out a, a sense of fire in him because there was a few guys here or there that were signed sort of 10 days that sort of, it was just like, oh, well, this guy's probably going to be better than Dayron. But then Dayron starts to sort of step up yep. in those sort of moments, you know, for, for little glimpses here and there. And when you're looking at young bigs, you sort of look for the, for young players in general. But I think bigs can take that little bit of time, you know, obviously maybe in the modern NBA, you know, we look for the Victor Wembanyama's the Joel beads the Kalioka just to just sort of give you something right now but generally when it comes to sort of role playing bigs, whether it's just like these guys rebound the ball, well, they can be a, a, a solid enough defensive player uh, and they can got a little bit of an offensive game. It takes them a little bit of time. So I think that this season is going to be put up or shut up for, for day on It's going to be, you know, now or never, you know, we sort of saw the, the minor glimpses here and there across the the 48 games that he did play, you know, there is a genuine chance that he could solidify himself as a, a backup center for the Nets. Like, obviously, you can throw Ben Simmons as a as another big, but I think we'll be speaking more about him in the guard uh, sort of position. But I think Darren Sharp has an opportunity. You know, he's got the development. You know, he's got the reps. Now it's time to sort of go, all right, I've got all this. I've got all the intangibles. He's a, a decent enough athlete. I think that it's going to be, you know, a big season for him, a really, really big season for him.
1: Yeah, he came, he looks like he's in better shape, you know, based off some of the pictures we've seen from the Nets dropping on social media. I will say one thing about De'Ron's rebounding. He has, you know, elite rebounding tools. He just seems to be a little bit more aggressive offensively rather than defensively. I think there's times where the nets have still got cooked on the floor when he's, you know, out there on the defensive boards, but on the offensive boards, he's a monster. I think just trying to, you know, really solidify that end and kind of just continue to carve out a niche in the NBA for himself, because obviously his skill sets a little different than the moderate
2: big. No, it is. And you know, this, I think the, Sometimes we go, or maybe it's just me, that up. But I think that basketball is a bit more egalitarian, and I think there is, a, there is, a, it's a bit more holistic. I think that there are guys that you can just. You know, can still impact the game you know he's daron sharp the 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 kovon looney sort of type with a, a couple inches taller than that but Kavon that's looney, who he should
1: model his game after i mean obviously Kavon looney's not a great athlete but uh daron sharp isn't either but Kavon looney finds a way to stay on the floor in almost every single matchup the warriors
2: have had in big time moments and you know the best five man lineup for the past two or three seasons is generally the starting lineup of the Golden State Warriors, and it's Kavon Looney's sort of stability that sort of provides that. And I think you alluded to the sort of rashness and sort of inconsistencies of Darren Sharp. You know, 5.8 fouls per 36 minutes when you're looking at his stats. That's the number that needs to go way down, and he just needs to be a bit more stable and steady, like sort of a Kavon Looney sort of type. And I think that Darren Sharp can be, you know, an NBA player, and hopefully it is in the next uniform.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely is a possibility. I think he's flashed enough. It's about putting it all together and really correcting his issues. You know, the areas where he can get better, he needs to get better. And obviously, there's some physical limitations. But I think there's enough in terms of skill, mindset, and, you know, basketball IQ that he could honestly take a pretty drastic jump this season.
2: Who to next, Nick?
1: Uh, I guess, you know, I guess we could quickly touch on some of the new guys.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: Out of these three, Jack, who are you most excited to watch this season?
0: Look, for me, it's Watford.
2: You know, I, I think we can get to a question later in the episode when we speak about the roles I decided to put out on Twitter I'm like who's going to be contributing most behind Nick Clax? and that could be a bit of a big discussion for later but who I'm excited for is and Watford because we saw a decent amount from him in Paul and you know 62 yeah. games he started 12 games he averaged you know a bit over 7 points just under four rebounds in in 20 minutes shot 56% from the field and nearly uh, 30 over 39% from three point range you know, he only appeared in eight games in January, but then February he he came back and you know he was shooting really really well. I think that because he is age twenty two, you know, heading into his age twenty three season as well, there is potential for him to play alongside Ben Simmons. That I'm just really excited. He could even maybe play some pinch minutes alongside Nick Claxton. I think that. His offensive versatility is probably something that the Nets don't have at this sort of position right now. You know, I think Nick Claxon is, sort of defensive stalwart. Darren Sharp, you sort of rebound, and Harry Giles is a bit of the wild card, and Trenton Watford is a young guy that has, you know, a, a bit more of an offensive bag. Now, I'm not saying that bag is as deep as, you know, a Kevin Durant or whatever, but he has I real
1: offensive that, skill.
2: He really does. And he's got touch, he's got feel like those sort of intangible things, you know. looking at some of his tape in, in prepara- for preparation for this podcast, like he's just got that sort of, you know, that nice little push shot, the floater, that yep. those sort of little things where it's just like, you look at that and Nicole Jokic does that in, with his eyes closed and, and hits 80% of them. Now I'm not comparing Trenton Watford to, to Nicole Jokic by any stretch, but I think he's got a bit more offensive versatility that I'm intrigued to see. And I am hope that he gets utilized in a way and he doesn't get buried. Like we've seen some other Nets bigs and Nets guards uh, by the coaching staff and and the front office, so I'm I'm hoping that the fact that Nets have signed this guy, he is young, that they put some time into him, they give him the opportunities to showcase some of his skills. Now, is that three point shot real? You know, but think that. Some people have questioned it. You know, I think that it looks okay enough. I think he'll take the shots when he's open. And I think he's going to be open enough. And I, I, it'll be, I guess, about the the volume that he decides to take. Because, you know, 25 or 64 is, is not necessarily the biggest uh, volume and sample size. But, you know, I think he can jack that up a little bit. He's still very, very young if these were sort of numbers we were seeing from like a 26 27 year old 28 29 year old I'd be like okay he's a fine player I can't really see you know him contributing more than what he's already done but this is a really young kid, and I think he's going to grow a little bit more, and I think he's, he's going to be in a good situation that I hope he can get utilized you know, in the right lineups, in the right combinations, because I think he does a lot of things well. And I think he's a heady player, and, and by that I just sort of mean he just knows where to be, knows what to do, makes the right decisions, and I think that those guys are invaluable in a lot of cases, Nick.
1: Yeah, I think Watford, like you mentioned, Jack, only 22 years old, going to turn 23 this season, a versatile piece. You know, you could see him next to Klax. You also could see him in a lineup with, you know, Ben Simmons and Dorian Finney-Smith where he's playing more of a small ball five, but playing with two bigger forwards to kind of, you know balance all of that out it'll be interesting to see how that three-point shot develops like you said you know not huge on the volume but there will be opportunities for him this year and that'll be a big factor i think for in terms of his nba career you know big second shoot threes are just a really valuable piece for your team i think um he also could probably improve a little bit as a rebounder. I think he has probably tools to be pretty good in that area, given his size and his wingspan. And it, like you mentioned, he has like a craftiness to him offensively. You know, sometimes the ball can stick a touch, but you see some nice finishes at the rim. You see some push shots. You just see some unique stuff that you don't necessarily see from a guy, you know, with his body type in the NBA.
2: Yeah, sort of six eight, and you know, really sort of solid wingspan beyond that. So he's the the prototype of what a lot of teams seven two wingspan, seven two wingspan. That's something. So I think that that's why we could see the nets. You know, we've seen the nets utilize Dorian Finney-Smith at extended periods at the five. If you sort of let Dorian Finney-Smith be a bit more of a three or four, and you put Trenton Watford as a bit more of a four and five, you know, I'm I want to see some of this guy because I think that the more beyond the wins and losses Nick next season, I'm not saying I want the if the Nets are in, within a chance of, of making the play-in and making that 6 seed, that I want them to sort of punt on on games. But I want to see the growth from players. I want to see that internal growth from our youngsters, Cam Thomas, Trenton Watford, Nick Claxton. There's a lot of youth on this team, and I want to see that that as much as the the, the 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 Ws at the end of the day. So we'll see how it pans out for Trenton Watford. So there's a part In a part of my mind, I'm just like, are the Nets going to be able to utilize him well enough? Like, are they going to actually use him in, in cases that we've alluded to in lineups that we've sort of spoken about or does Jacques Vaughan get the blinkers on and goes back to Dorian Finney-Smith at the 5 and we get DNP, DNP, DNP for Trent Watford. I just I'm hoping that isn't the case. There's a part of me that thinks it could happen but I'm hoping my fellow Jacques does prove me wrong.
1: Yeah. And he also still has to get his contract fully guaranteed, you know, a non-guaranteed contract for him and Darius Baisley, as we mentioned with uh, Harry Giles on the training camp contract as well. So these guys are fighting for roster spots, some really good competition in the big room. Um, you know, mentioning on the other two, you know, Clowney, we really dove deep into him in training camp. I mean, in, uh, in summer league and just kind of broke down his game. And he's going to spend a lot of time with the G League. And then Harry Giles, obviously, we touched on him in a previous podcast, kind of what his NBA career has been like and how he ended up in this spot. But I guess, Jack, quickly touching on Dayron and Nick Claxton one last time, uh, success or disappointment for those two from last season?
2: resounding success for Nick Claxton I'm gonna be like if we're given a grade for Darren Sharp I'll give him like a C minus
1: yeah I would say a slight disappointment for me on Darren just because I thought there was a really good opportunity for him to solidify a bigger role and he never really did that and I think Claxton huge success like we talked about to start the show you know a lot of those hopes for him just came to fruition. Now, looking at this group going to next season, what would you say is some of their strengths? It's a it's an interesting question because there's such a, a wide variety of skills with this group.
2: Yeah, look, I I've decided these were the couple of things that I alluded to, Nick, and one of them was a, a statistical variable. One of them, some of them are more, you know, I guess intangible, like I guess switchability, athleticism, youth, and upside. There's a bit of hustle there. And when it came to just field goal percentage in the paint, you know, the Nets were the league leaders with the Denver Nuggets at 70.5% as a field goal percentage in the paint. A lot of that comes from Nick Claxton and maybe some of it comes from Darwin Sharp as well. But I think that's something that did stick out to me is you know, a, a thing that was a strength of, of the bigs. Now, when we get to my weaknesses, you'll probably get to the point where it's just like they should have taken more of those shots. But in saying that, the switchability is is evident, the athleticism and youth and upside, the wingspan, all those more intangible things that can't necessarily be as measurable, uh, I think are strengths for this squad. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think my strength, biggest strength for this group is Nick Claxton. <laughs> you know, just looking at it as a whole, you know, he's the guy that just... Is a plus and he has so many checks for him and he's a proven guy. And as we've talked about, you know, he's a top 10, top 15 center with a chance to ascend even higher. And then I think you mentioned it, Jack. You look at the youth, you look at the potential. And I think also you look at the competition. You know, as I mentioned, you know, these guys don't necessarily have guaranteed spots, they're fighting for roster spots and rotation minutes. So I think it'll bring out the best in these guys and I think having a variety of different skill sets that you can throw out there is a plus for a coach. It's hard to really say that there's a specific skill that they're all good at because there really might not be one skill that they're all good at.
2: Yeah, I guess it's about perspective because some people could say, well, there's a a lot of like guys that are kind of good at some stuff. Or would yeah. you rather just have like Nick Claxton and, and Kevon Looney, like just two guys that are just good? Now, yeah. you know, it's it's a matter of how you view things: glass half full, glass half empty. I think because of the the youth of this of, of these guys that we have named and and been analyzing. I think you can look at it from a glass half full, glass half full perspective, as I alluded to. I think if these guys are 29, 30, 28, or whatever, and we're talking about the strengths, the weaknesses, you know, I think that you could make an, an argument that strengths, you know, as I alluded to, youth, you know, just you know the and un, the untapped potential that is there from a lot of these guys, because I not think any of these guys that we've spoken about have reached their NBA ceiling. Now, Nick probably- You could argue probably... one of them
1: have played their best NBA season, and I think that's a strength too. You know, one of these guys is gonna improve significantly after next season you know Klax has yep. already could make minors jumps but you're looking at Sharp you know you're looking at Watford you're looking at potentially Harry Giles and even Noah Clowney could be substantially better with reps in the G League
2: yeah look I think by the end of the season when we're doing season reviews or we're looking forward to you know 24-25 sort of looking forward I think that's when Noah Clowney could be a bit more of an intriguing piece to analyze but as it stands those are my strengths did we do you have any more before we Jump into the weaknesses? No, that's about it.
1: What do you have for weaknesses, Jack?
2: Now, I have a couple here. I had defensive rebounding percentage, and the Nets were pitiful in that area. 29th in the league at 68.9% defensive rebounding percentage. I alluded to the field goal percentage in the paint they don't take them like they took 10.7 mm. of them last year per game again that's across the whole season so you look at the the different versions of this net squad but i think that's generally reflective of where they are you know 27th in the league you know, tied with the, the boston celtics at that number and you know in terms of more intangible things i guess like physicality and high end depth you know we sort of alluded to you know, the looking at the depth of this squad, you know, are there guys that you can genuinely rely on to be your backup center? You know, probably not. And I think the backup big might be the position that you want to take a flyer on. So again, it's, it's a strength. Isn't a weakness. You can look at it from sort of both sides. And I guess I'd throw in there just physicality as well. I don't think that these, any of these guys are sort of bigs and bruises and necessarily, is that, necessarily in today's nba maybe not i think it's a bit overrated personally but if we're looking at the overall weaknesses of this collective there isn't you know sort of big bruiser type that's going to go up against jill and and be like yep i've got i'm pretty comfortable with this guy you know going up against him so those are the weaknesses that i had nick did you have similar ones different ones anything you'd like to add
1: Yeah, similar i think you they don't really have a true seven footer you know there's not really just like a true seven foot guy that's huge you know what i mean like you mentioned jack that can match up with mb that can match match up with Jokic. you know obviously they have you know a guy that has some physicality and sharp but he doesn't necessarily have the length and obviously Clax has the length and athleticism but not necessarily the size so you know they have a lot of different skill sets but they could be missing a key one in a playoff matchup you mentioned it too the lack of experience and i think you could argue you know, at times this group could lack offensive impact. You know, Watford could potentially change that. But again, he's a guy that still has to make the team and prove it in the NBA where, you know, Claxton is known for his defense, improved offensively. Dayron really hasn't shown much in the end of the floor unless his three-point shot develops. And the other two guys, you know, they're still, you know, trying to prove to be NBA players and get fully healthy in Giles's case.
2: Yeah, all of these guys are going to require playmaking from the guards or yeah. wing positions to get. Them. Like Nick Claxton, a lot. While we, as you alluded to, Nick, you know, when oh. we were analyzing his season pass, he did create a little bit more for himself off the dribble, you know, off handoffs, etc. But you know, overwhelmingly, these guys are going to need Spencer, Ben, McHale, Cam, whoever else is is playing significant minutes at the guard position. Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, these guys to create for our bigs. You know, whether it's in the pick and roll whether it's in pick and pop situations, whatever it sort of is, it's in handoffs, DHOs. These guys are going to need other people to create for them. And, you know, it's the best bigs in the NBA that do their sort of own. You know, even like, you know, Alfred and Shengun, like these guys, you know, are, are the sort of unicorns at the position. Most of the times, your bigs generally are the guys that you expect to finish the plays, to do the rebounding, to provide the solid enough defense. And some of the things when it comes to the rebounding are things that we do need to improve from this position.
1: Yeah. That's true. You know, I think rebounding wise is another weakness of this group, you know, just maintaining box outs. You know, we talked about clacks improving and, you know, sharp showcasing some of those skills, but overall just being very consistent that end of the floor. What do you think is the biggest need for improvement for next season? You know, if you had to pick one specific area, they need to be better. Now this could be
2: you know the backup role it's rebounding nick it's rebounding i don't i don't need you going through them you go in fact go through your list and then i'll discuss why it's rebounding
1: yeah i mean i was just saying it could be the backup position in general because last year no one really solidified it and you could argue maybe that would help rebounding to an extent you know i'm not sure the on off numbers to rebound percentage with clacks you know on and off the floor but that could play a role i think you could argue maybe offensive production but Rebounding is a a strong contender given the struggles we've seen over the last couple years, maybe the last decade.
2: Nick, Nick Claxton liked a tweet of mine where I said that he's going to be having to do like a large majority of rebounding. Like people pointed that out to me. Like I remember doing a tweet of like just a, a random guy kicking a dude in the crotch. <laughs> it was just one of those funny videos. And I'm just like, Nick Claxton preparing for the season ahead for for the at the big position for, for rebounding. And Nick Claxton liked it. So Nick Claxton knows that he's going to have to do a lot of rebounding again this season because I think it's, as we alluded to, it's a product of the scheme as well. And I think the coaches need to be a bit more flexible with that and whether it's throwing a little bit of zone, throwing a little bit more drop because the switchable, the, the switching style of defense you know, is is beneficial and modern, and you know it, whatever you want to sort of call it, and probably does uh, utilize the effectiveness of Mikhail, Ben, Clax. You, you sort of probably three best defensive players on the roster, but at the same time, it does leave not a gaping hole, but a hole nonetheless when it comes to getting those defensive boards, and because the Nets now have these wing guys. And I've added guys that have significant wingspan. Does that mean that we improve at that position? Because it's one thing that we've been pretty poor at for, for quite a while. And it, it's something that I think needs significant improvement because you know, board man gets paid, board man wins games, whatever the hell you want to sort of call it, Nick. The Nets need a rebound better. And I think it needs to be a collective from the coaching down when it's stylistically, as well as the guys just, you know, I think clacks can sometimes, you know, be a little bit not lazy but disengaged once he's on the switch you know he can probably run down there and like put a body on and, and maybe get the board as well but you know maybe we're asking too much of him maybe i am but i i just think that nick Claxon can can impact in even bigger ways than he already has so there is significant improvement near the rebounding position if the nets can at least improve marginally i think that that is that is a win
1: yeah i think we saw at times their defense was really good but they couldn't finish place you know they couldn't get to the other end of the floor so i think rebounding is huge you mentioned the scheme i think rotation could play a role in that too are we going to see some more two big lineups you know are we going to see clax watford out there are we going to see you know other guys is there potential for you know ben to play with uh claxon and sharp or is that going to work on the floor i think there's a lot of different factors that the nets can do to help themselves. If guys are playing at a super high level, especially offensively, where they can make some of the sets work even with limitations.
2: Definitely. So it's it's gonna be interesting how it all pans out in, in that department, Nick.
1: All right, Jack, getting into this group, I guess let's talk roles. Um obviously Nick Claxon will be the starter. What are you expecting in terms of the backup center role?
2: I guess this is what I wanted to bring to unique and also bring some responses from people on my Twitter page, because I said outside of Nick Claxton, who's most likely to, to contribute for the Nets at the five next season. And I had like a, a varied amount of responses. People were throwing out Darius Baisley, as you alluded to you know, people were getting into sharp Trendon, Watford, you know, it, it was just, uh, I was surprised at even like a lot of people seem to be pretty high on Harry Giles as well. So I think the arguments that were spoken about, I guess I want to throw to you, make the argument Maybe for for each player, Nick, and and we can have a chat like why it's going to be Dayron Sharp, why it's going to be Trenton Watford, why it's going to be Harry Giles, and probably to a lesser extent, Noah Clowney.
1: Yeah, I think the argument for Dayron Sharp is he provides a level of physicality. And we talked about the biggest need for improvement is rebounding. And obviously, that's a skill that Dayron Sharp has, and he could probably even be better at and provide something different and can really have more success going against backups rather than starters with some of his limitations. So I think that's where you look at Sharp and you could talk yourself into, you know, he could help the Nets in an area of weakness. He also could potentially develop a three-point shot. He's already showcased good passing. So he could be able to have, you know, a real impact off the bench as a center for this team.
2: Yeah, I think as a pure big, as a pure backup, you know, most size, Best rebounder, uh, Darren Sharp does fit the bill. I guess I'll make the argument for Trenton Watford. Oh, just one more stuff. thing about Sharp too. I think he's sure. also
1: a player that, would, that benefits from having short stints rather than playing an extended period of time because he can really just be super active and energetic. And given his limitations in terms of his speed and lateral movement, he has to use a lot of energy to compete defensively. So smaller stints could really benefit him.
2: Yeah, I think that he is... Primed to be a long-term backup big in the NBA, you know. I think that you know he might be a fringe starter here or there. We alluded to you know Kevon Looney with maybe a bit more offensive diversity could be his ceiling. But the argument for trenton Watford is what we spoke about earlier, Nick, because I think he can play the four and the five, and I think stylistically he could fit a little bit more of what the Nets would be looking for. You know, he has a little bit more of of an offensive bag as as we've sort of spoken about. His three point shooting, his ability to play alongside a band, a DFS, even in Nick Claxton, that versatility offensively and even defensively. I think he's got some some chops there too, is is something that I think is the argument that Trenton Watford, you know, can contribute the most for the Nets next season.
1: Yeah, I think the fact you mentioned he can play two positions is huge and that he can fit next to multiple players and multiple lineups. And he also could help offensively, you know, where that was an issue at the end of last season, creating offense. He's a guy that can punish switches. He's a guy that can create a little bit for himself and he can just add a different element to the offense of this team with his potential three-point shooting like we talked about if the volume improves that could be a huge avenue for him as an NBA player but also the Nets in terms of having different lineups Jak Vaughn can throw out there and really be successful so I think Watford is a has a lot of potential to play a big role it's just kind of what was the reason I think, you know, why he was still available so late in free agency. There's always a reason why guys end up where they are. As I mentioned, I think the ball could stick a little bit at times with him offensively. And I think defensively, he has to kind of take those strides forwards. At times you saw his basketball IQ shine, but other times you just kind of saw him just not able to hold his own on the end of the floor.
2: Yeah. It's the sort of youth, you know, the the sort of youth and inexperience that he does have, but as, as moving forward, you know, the argument, I guess, for, for Harry Giles, Nick, if, if we wanted to make one, is that I think he has the most to prove, you know, and I think that that mentality is just like, I'm I'm proven to, to show you guys that I belong back in the NBA and he does have, you know, offensive diversity. You know, he shot the three ball pretty well in his last NBA stint. He's a good athlete. He's a good room protector. So I think that what he can do is a lot of the stuff that we've alluded to with a lot of our bigs and, you know, age 25, so he's by no means you know, over the hill, obviously injuries have played a, a cruel part in his career so far. But I think the the mentality of his is gonna be like, look, I'm showing not showing just the Brooklyn Nets here. I'm showing the NBA world that I can still contribute here and I can make an impact at the NBA level. And I think that, you know, because of his history um in, in his youth, you know, being such a, a high end prospect, you know, I think that there's every chance that, you know, he can prove that in Brooklyn or elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I think he's fighting for his NBA life. And obviously, there's always something that comes with that. I think he'd probably be pretty happy to just make the roster in terms of instead of the rotation minutes. You know, if he ever was able to kind of hit 50 percent of his potential, you know, talking way back to the draft or his high school days, you'd be really happy with his play. But I think you just he has it's hard to really talk about him until we see him on the floor. You know, he's a guy that just we haven't seen play in the NBA in a while.
2: Yeah, I think that looking at the preseason games and such, you know, we'll, the big position is probably one alongside, you know, what Ben Simmons uh, is probably doing. They're probably going to be the, the things we're looking for most because you sort of know what you're going to get out of Clax. You know, hopefully, maybe a, a three ball or a, or a midi here or there in terms of offensively, but it's the unknowns that we're sort of going to be looking for. And Harry Giles, Ben Simmons, you know, a few others here or there that we don't have as much extensive, you know highlights to sort of look back from or film to look back from or an extended career in Trenton Watford's case to look back on You know that those are it's, it's exciting in a lot of ways to see what these guys could provide to the Nets.
1: Yeah. I mean, the position itself is a big, what if other than Nick Claxton, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen in the backup spot. And I think, That's why it's so intriguing for a lot of different reasons, not just this group, but the entire team. And I think Noah Clowney, there's not really much of an argument for him to play uh, with the the big Nets uh, next season. It's more so the Long Island Nets. You expect him to really get a lot of minutes, a lot of reps. And maybe towards the end of the year, we start to see him come up more and, you know, have minutes when someone's injured or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think that. Obviously, Long Island will be a, a nice system for him because we've seen Darren show up to his time there, even Nick Claxton yeah. you know, for certain periods. I'm intrigued if where the Nets are come March, April. If the Nets are, you know, they've had a heap of injuries or there's a where there's no chance they could make the play in, is it just like, you know, what? let's give Noah Clowney a bit of a shot. Let's see, you know, Derek Whitehead I, at that point hasn't been given much of it, an opportunity to sort of showcase his talents. That's probably the, the world where I could see it happening. Or if, you know the Nets choose because they did they, they chose to draft this guy. They probably went a bit above of a, a lot of experts in terms of reaching for, for Noah Clanny. But you know, the, the tools are there in terms of the three-point mechanics, the, the numbers certainly don't reflect of, of the, the fluidity that he does show on that jumper. And he just needs game reps, man. Like yep. we saw it summer, like you you analyzed it pretty in-depth, and we spoke to a few different people here and there. Like the guy just needs time, like he's just he needs to play more NBA basketball. He needs to play some form of, you know, high level basketball beyond the college level because he just needs that time. He needs the time.
1: Yeah, and that's really just it for him. You know, and it's hard to really say much other than that for Clowney. It's just, we need the reps. We need the experience and just to have a better overall feel. But I guess, Jack, looking at the minutes for next season, what do you think Nick Claxton's going to average per game?
2: Yeah, I think Nick Claxton is the best one for us to analyze the stats individually, Nick, because I think Dayron. Trennan Watford and the rest of them, you could roll the dice and you get a number and we don't know. You but know, I we, think
1: like what we talked about, we don't even know who's really gonna make the team for no. sure.
2: No. So that's why I think we'll focus on the eclaxon when it comes to uh, forecasting those numbers. Now I just wanna bring back his last season numbers and see It's sort of where he could be around that sort of mark. So he played 29.9 minutes, averaged it up to like 30 minutes a game. He shot over 70, shot nearly 71% from the field, which is insane, including nearly 71% from two. An E-field goal percentage, 70.5%. He a 54% from the three, 54.1% from the free throw line on over three attempts. He averaged 9.2 rebounds, including 6.8 of them defensive, 2.4 offensive, nearly two assists, 1.9 there, 0.9 steals two and a half blocks and 12.6 points now where do we stand with those numbers Nick do you think all of them will grow some of them might go down what are you thinking
1: yeah I'm thinking the points are going to go up I think we'll see him probably hit 14 I think there'll be more opportunities for him to create for himself I think with Kyrie and Katie being gone the field goal percentage might dip slightly I still think it'll be you know top 10 in the league, just maybe won't be, you know, number one in the league. I think we'll see the free throw numbers jump a little bit. You know, you mentioned, you know, 65%. I think I'd be happy with like 62% next season. I think he finally gets to 10 boards a game, especially in a contract year. It just seems like an area he can kind of control. Uh, the assist probably hit two. And the blocks, probably around the same. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers dip slightly because I think, you know, blocks don't always tell the whole picture. So I'm looking at, you know, 14 points a game. Ten rebounds a game, about sixty-seven percent field goal uh, percentage, sixty-two percent from the free throw line, about two assists, and about probably two point three blocks, and maybe up to one full steal.
2: Yeah, look, I'm. I think stocks as a as a total is sort of what you look at yeah. with with a guy like Clax because he's going to be switching a lot and his recovery. I think we didn't allude to like his recovery, like time and speed and and awareness. So one of his best been...
1: skills, if not maybe his best.
2: Insane. Like I think he did it on Giannis like once last year, which was one of like the highlight blocks because I was just looking through some of his tape and I'm just like, God damn! And like he had like the the opposite hand block like against Cleveland, which was truly insane. So I think the stock numbers are going to be high, as you alluded to, Nick. When it comes to the field goal percentage, that that percentage was on seven point seven attempts per game. I think that that could creep up to you know beyond eight, between eight and nine. Maybe high nines. I don't think anything. Maybe around that sort of ten range, but it's going to be interesting to see. Like you know, is the three point shot going to be real? Is he going to be taking a few midis here or there? You know, is he going to get four free throw attempts a game at sixty percent because he can draw that pretty easily? You know, he knows how to draw contact. You know, I think he Mikael Bridges does it really well also. So I think the rebounding. You know, if he can get to the a double double even if it's nine and a half, you know, you sort of, it's closer to 10 than it is to nine. I'll be happy with that because I think it's going to be on the collective to to to, to support Clax in improving the rebound numbers as a team because I think that we saw a big jump from him there, that year because in 21-22, you know, only played the 47 games, but he averaged 5.6 rebounds yeah. and he went up to 9.2. So look, these numbers are like, elite that we're sort of alluding to the efficiency is elite the 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 defensive numbers are elite if he can just maintain that and maybe increase the volume that's where you're going to be looking okay this guy's something else and if he replicates what he did last year with a a little bit more you know volume then you're going to be going man this guy is is special we already say that but you know it's going to be about the ability to replicate that in in 23-24
1: yeah, and I think it's like you last year we saw him kind of really, like you mentioned, take those huge strides forward now. It's like, how much more can you grow? How much better can you get? Because we know great players continue to ascend. You know, they never settle, and they're always looking to get to that next step. And based off of what we know about Nick Claxon, he's been working all summer, and he seems like a guy that wants to be great. And I think he's never going to undersell himself. So we could be completely wrong, and he can make even bigger jumps than what we
2: just predicted. Yeah, absolutely. But Jack, any
1: other predictions you want to make for the other guys? You know, anything else you want to talk about in terms of what you're expecting from Watford, Sharp, or anyone else?
2: I think Harry Giles proves himself to be an NBA player. I think that that might be going out on a limb here, but I just think that he's got the relationship with Dennis Smith Jr. This Nets environment seems to be pretty conducive to to comfort and and producing a, a semblance of success. I think. You know, predicting trend of Watford's numbers and Darren Sharp's numbers, but I I, I want to give some love to Harry Giles, and I think that he if he gets given a shot, you know, for the Nets in some point or another, I think he can prove himself as an NBA player, whether it's in the Nets uniform long term or it's it's elsewhere. You know, I'm I'm hopeful for him because he's gone through a lot of hardships. You know, there's obviously the the, the physical ailments that he's had to overcome. You know, the resilience that he's had to show. I hope he gets rewarded for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Nets need him to recruit Jason Tatum, right? So (laughs) (laughs) let's hope it all works out. No, but really, uh, hopefully he's fully healthy. I think that's the most important thing for him is just having an opportunity to compete for an entire season in a training camp and seeing what he can do out there. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of good camp battles. And like you mentioned, Dorian Finney-Smith, Darius Baisley could easily fit into this group. We're going to throw them into the Wings group. But Jack, where would this group rank in terms of the positional groups for the nets obviously we break it down by uh guards wings and bigs
2: yeah i think that it's i think clax without clax is like the weakest sort of spot so i think guards you know like you got spence you got dennis you got lonnie you got cam i think that's better at the wings position you got McCall. you got cam cam j you got royce you're doing Finney-Smith. i think this might be the weakest nick because i think the collective of the guards you can make an argument for the for the guards being a little bit weaker because Claxon is just elite by himself and i don't think if you want to classify ben simmons as a guard whatever but i think that it's one of the weaker positions uh the weaker positional previews that we've we're going to be doing in terms of the guys that we're analyzing but I also think that there is a lot of interest and a lot of fun things that we've sort of been talking about as well.
1: Yeah, I think this is last just because, like you said, there's there's no solidified backup. You know, we talk about all the other positional groups, and the wings obviously is kind of stacked for in terms of this team and the guards, like you know who Spencer is, you know that Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. are all NBA level guards and they all are guaranteed spots in the NBA and to essentially have two or three of those guys actually get rotation minutes where you look at this group Claxton is guaranteed a starting spot and after that we couldn't even predict a second step line because we didn't know who's going to get enough rotation minutes
2: yeah i think the what i want to ask you nick to sort of put a bow on on this pod and it's fun to get into the previous stuff but be discussing the nitty-gritty the x's and o's make sure you let nick or i know your feedback if we missed anything if there's other topics you want us to discuss in, in further positional previews, but the big question, you know, we've spoken about improvements, strengths, weaknesses, all the guys individually. What is the big question overall for, for the bigs this season for the Nets?
1: I think overall it's just who do they have after Nick Claxton? You know, it's really that simple. It's like we know who Clax is, especially if he can replicate last year and make slight improvements. But after that, we have no answer. We, you know, we don't know who's really a true backup big on this roster? You know, guys have shown flashes, glimpses, have talent, whatever it is, but are any of them actually good? You know, and that's a real question. You know, we can talk about tape we've seen from certain guys or, but there's always a a reason why they're here and why, you know, they need to fight for minutes or earn a spot. You know, everything is kind of on paper at this point and we need to find out who's actually good in this group other than Clax.
2: Yeah, I think not to sort of copy and paste your one, I'll go with... Can they rebound? Will huh? the Nets be able to rebound at the big position or just as a collective? But obviously, and do they put their
1: bigs in a position where they can excel rebounding? You know, you mentioned yeah. before schematically with Klax, like he's asked to switch and defend on the perimeter. It's a lot for him to, you know, chase around a guard, contend the shot, force the three, And now you're asking him to get back in the paint and box out Joel Embiid. That's just almost an impossible task.
2: Yeah, I think the nature of the switching is going to have to be something that I'll be looking for in terms of, you know, who you do it to, what lineups, what teams, you know, the hard switches, soft switches, because the Nets in the past, you know, with KD and Kyrie, they would just give up switches for the most yep. part, you know, and just be like, all right, let's just, it doesn't, you don't even need to touch me. You know, I'm just going to switch if, if a there guy if sets a pick, just just take it. Um, And that worked fine because the, the Nets did well defensively as a collective in the iterations of those units, but we've seen that it just it it negatively impacts the rebounding to an extent where it's lost the team games. You know, like you know second chance points, all these different sort of things, offensive rebounds. The Nets have lost games because of that. You know, we've been pulling our hair out and every other sort of orifice for games upon games, your seasons upon seasons about the Nets rebounding lows. Have they addressed them, you know, with, with the nature of the guys that we do have? You can make an argument and say yes, but you can also make an argument that the coaches, as you sort of alluded to, need to provide them the opportunity to do that. That's their job. That's Their job is to be able to go, okay, you guys, you do this. We'll let our guys do this. You guys have this role. You guys have that role so that's that's my question that i'll go with nick but i think both questions uh it'll be intriguing to see if they're answered when they're answered or if we you know <laughs> do the same thing again or next if we like the Cups, answer <laughs> if we like the answer yeah that's that's probably even more pertinent but we'll see
1: yeah it's going to be a fun group to watch just because of all the question marks but jack always a pleasure big thanks to everybody listening. make sure you check all the previews on the brooklyn buzzfeed